Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Bible class that's posted every Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us at the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, but also for those who are not able to be with a church someplace around the country and across the world, but also for many people who are simply searching. They want to learn more from God's Word. They want to get into a Bible study some way, somehow. And so they want to grow in their faith. They want to come to understand more about God and about Christ and about heaven and about eternal life and forgiveness and salvation. Well, the answer and the guidelines to all of those questions and desires are right there in God's Word. So we're thankful to be able to share these Bible studies with people all across the country and all around the world through the medium of the internet and through these podcasts. We're thankful that God has blessed us with this opportunity and the means and the ability to do so. And we take that seriously. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. Because you know people in your life who need to get into God's Word, and they need to start thinking about their soul's salvation and eternity, because it's coming. So share through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Help them to, to grow in their spiritual life, to grow in their faith, because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. Now also encourage everyone to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button. Click on that and sign up for our podcasting. Now, Accessing all of the study material on our website is free. Signing up for our podcasting is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons. And in addition to that, you can access hundreds of sermons through our archives Download those, listen to those, watch those. Great many of those are now posted in video form as well as, as well as audio format. You can also download and read through and study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. But when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll receive, again, our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and what I really believe is a great daily, seven-day-a-week, short Bible study, getting us into God's Word for a few minutes every day, about 13 minutes, called today's Bible class. And then also you'll receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And again, all of that will go to your smart device, either your smartphone or computer or laptop or tablet or pad or whatever it might be. It will all all go automatically, and it will always be free. So take advantage of this yourself and encourage everyone you can to take advantage of it. What a great opportunity to study God's Word, to grow deeper and fuller in your knowledge of His will for your life. Take advantage of it. We're going to get back into our study now. We're looking really at 
the early history of first mankind, going back into the earlier chapters of Genesis, and then picking up in Genesis chapter 12, beginning with Abraham, we see the bloodline of Israel developing. And of course, God's plan for man's redemption and forgiveness and salvation is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, whom he would send into this world in physical form through the bloodline of Israel. Well, we're far along in this particular study. We have looked at Genesis, we've studied through Exodus, and as we got toward the closing, or the, the later chapters of, of Exodus, as I said, I started doing some skipping because once you get to that point, you start getting into a lot of detailed and rather technical instructions that God gave Moses to tell the people of Israel as to how to build the tabernacle, all of the different details, the articles, the fabrics, everything that would go into that, and, and a whole lot of the, the laws and, and the feasts and all of that. And to a great extent, that kind of thing continues into the book of Leviticus. And so we really just picked out some highlights in the book of Leviticus. And I was leaving all of those other sections for you to read on your own. And again, I'm picking out highlights for us. We moved into the book of Numbers, and we see the same kind of thing. And so I've skipped over a lot of those sections dealing with those kind of technical instructions again that for a Bible study kind of setting, it can get kind of, well, tedious. I don't want your eyes to glaze over. <laughs> so I've left those sections for you to study on your own. And, and again, I'm highlighting some of the sections where we can say, oh, I, there, there's a lesson there for me. Right there, there's a lesson for me on, on faith and faithfulness. And also I can see from the mistakes of some of the people of Israel uh, I, I can see what I need to steer away from and guard against. So in Numbers chapter 11, we, we find the Israelites. Now there, God has already told them back in Exodus, it's time to get going now. He's brought them to Mount Sinai after leading them out of Egypt, out of Egypt where they had been in bondage for a long time. He leads them out of Egypt. He destroys the, the pursuing Egyptian army as he closes up the walls of the Red Sea after leading the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground, having split the waters. And as the Egyptian army pursued them into those, between those two walls of waters, after the last of the Israelites came up on the far bank of the Red Sea, then God closed those waters down and destroyed the Egyptian army. He leads them into the wilderness to Mount Sinai, and he begins giving them his law. And all of these different sections, and, and including the technicalities as to the feast days and the laws, the spiritual laws about this and the spiritual laws about that, the tabernacle and the priests and all of that, he's, he's molding them and shaping them into the nation, into the people that he wants them to be. God has chosen through the bloodline of Abraham, and that's where the people of Israel came from, he has, he has chosen them to be 
his special people, and again, through whom he would send the Savior into the world in physical form. And so he's shaping them, molding them into the people he wants them to be. And ultimately, he's going to lead them to the land that he promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But he promised the land to them through their descendants. And so now it's time to lead those descendants into that land. All right, they're going to have some problems, though, along the way. It's going to take them a long time yet to actually get there because of their weak faith in God. They're not going to trust God as they should. Now, here in Numbers chapter 11, we find the people complaining, and we looked at this last time. They, they didn't go too far into the wilderness until they started running short on water, and so God blessed them miraculously with water, made it come forth from a rock. And then they were complaining about a lack of food. And so he blessed them with a special food, miraculously, manna, uh, kind of a grain perhaps that would appear on the ground every morning. And there would be enough there to feed all of the people that day. Now, they were to just take what they needed for that day, and that would be sufficient for them. Don't take anything extra because, and there were some who disobeyed God, and they tried to gather extra. Well, it spoiled overnight. But every morning, the manna would be there on the surface of the ground, and they could gather it up. They could prepare it into food and eat it, and that would sustain them nutritionally every single day. Well, as we noted last time, when we come to Numbers chapter 11, the people started complaining that they wanted meat to eat, not just this manna. They were getting tired of the manna. They wanted meat to eat. And so they complained, and and Moses, and, and I suspect Moses probably had some feelings of exasperation with the people on a fairly regular basis, <laughs> you know, feeling like, you know, here they are again. They're complaining. What's wrong with them? They've seen God's blessings upon them continually. They've seen God miraculously providing for them and defeating their enemy that was pursuing them, the Egyptian army. They've seen how God miraculously opened up the Red Sea and led them across on dry land. They've seen how I've gone up on Mount Sinai and God has given me the law and I brought it back down to them and I've been communicating it to them. And yet they still keep showing weak faith along the way. Well, here they, they're tired of the manna all by itself. They want meat. And so we read how Moses presented that complaint to God from the people and, and Moses basically said, look, you know, I'm not able to bear all these people alone. Verse 14 of, of Numbers chapter 11. I, I, he's feeling overwhelmed probably. You've got somewhere between probably a million and two million people, men, women, and children, that he's 
overseeing and leading. And he, he says, basically, he says, I, I can't do this by myself. I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. And he even told God or expressed to God in verse 15 of Numbers chapter 11, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. Now, maybe Moses felt like he was at the breaking point, and he did not want that to happen to himself. He did not want people to see him, God to see him broken down emotionally, psychologically. And so God told him, beginning with verse 16, gather 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and, off, and, and officers over them, bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. And so God, God provided, guided first Moses, and then provided through Moses' obedience to his guidance, this kind of body of overseers to help Moses watch over and guide, and I guess we could say govern to a great extent, the people this mighty mass of of humanity that God was instructing Moses to lead to the promised land. So he does that. Now, God also tells Moses, uh, I'm going to send, I'm going to send meat. I'm going to, I'm going to send meat for the people. Um, In verse 19 of, of chapter 11, Moses, by God's instruction, Moses tells the people, you shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor 10 days, nor 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever come out of the, uh, come up out of Egypt? And you see, that was the shallowness of their faith. Despite all that they had seen God do to to deliver them and provide for them. They're complaining, why did we ever leave Egypt? Now, while they're in Egypt, they were complaining. They were crying out to God in prayer, please deliver us, because they were in bondage. And, And it was severe bondage, oppression from the government of Egypt. And God delivered them. He answered their prayers. He sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. But now they're thinking back, oh, we had, we had food to eat in Egypt, good food to eat. And here we've only got this manna. Well, God, God tells Moses, you tell him this, I'm going to give you meat to eat. And not just for a day, not just for two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, you're going to eat this meat for a whole month. It's, it, it's going to, you're going to eat it until you're, well, how could we put it, maybe? Till you're sick of it? <laughs> it's going to be like it's coming out of your nose. You're going to be tired of it. You're going to have so much of it. And so God is going to provide for them again. Now, verse 31. Now, a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. How are we to understand this? Well, God 
sends a wind to basically drive this massive body of quail to the camp of the Israelites. Now, apparently, I think we're to understand, the quail were sent to surround all of the camp of the Israelites. This would be a huge camp because, again, we're talking about such a massive body of people, but all around the camp of the Israelites. And probably how we're to understand the description here in verse 31 is that this mass, massive body of quail would extend from the borders of the camp out about a day's journey on all sides, all around it. Now, when it says about two cubits above the surface of the ground, probably the indication there is the quail are fluttering around. Notice that it says, and left them fluttering near the camp. So they're, they're fluttering. Normally, when you see birds flying and quail and all that, they're going to head up into the air. Well, these are going to stay about two cubits off the surface of the ground, and the people can go out and gather them up. They can knock them in the head, they can grab them and wring their necks, whatever it might be, you know, knife them, whatever it might be, you know, they can gather them up. There's going to be so much that they're going to be able to gather them up and they're going to eat upon them that meat for an entire month until they get tired of quail. So verse 32, the people stayed up all that day, all night and all the next day and gathered the quail. He who gathered least gathered 10 homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. Everybody has got a lot of quail to eat all through the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. See, they kept complaining before God. Their faith kept waning. Remember, that when Moses went up in Mount Sinai the first time to get the law from God, he was gone for a period of some weeks, I think we're to understand, and the people became weak in their faith. They didn't see their physical leader, Moses, before them for all this time, and they, they became weak in their faith, and they, they impaled, or they, they, uh, they, they, you know, dis, uh, convinced Aaron, Moses' brother, to manufacture for them a golden calf and he did that and also manufactured an altar for that calf to set upon, and the people called that their God. And that violated directly the opening commandments in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Going back to the book of Exodus. Well, here God brings this plague upon them. Their faith had weakened again. They were complaining again. God, They had prayed to God for deliverance from the bondage and the oppression that they were experiencing in Egypt. And so he, he answered their prayer. He delivered them from that bondage, from that oppression. They complained about not having enough water. He provided water for them. They complained about not having enough food. He gave them the manna. He's given that to them every morning. And now they're complaining about not enough meat. And so he sends the quail. And Moses is, is presenting his, his distress before God, saying, I, I, this is too much for me, trying to take care of this people, trying to oversee them, trying to take care of their, their complaints, their needs, make judgments for them, whatever the problems might be. And so God provides 
a body to help Moses oversee the people and lead them. And now, while he has brought all this massive amount of meat through the quail that he sends through this wind to surround the camp of the Israelites, he brings this plague upon them by way of judgment. So he called the name of that place Kibrath Hatayava, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kibrath Hatayava, the people moved to Hazaroth and camped at Hazaroth. Now they're on the move, and they needed to be on the move. They needed to get to where God was leading them to be, and that's to the promised land. Now, so have they learned their lesson this time? Has everybody within the, the, the camp of Israel learned their lesson again? Remember, after the golden calf, Moses called upon uh, those who would stand with him faithful to God, and that would, that would be the tribe of Levi, as it turned out. And they marched through the camp with their swords, and thousands were slain who, had, who were unfaithful to God who did not stand with Moses in faithfulness before God. Well, here, so a plague. More are struck down in judgment from God. Now, chapter 12, have they learned their lesson? Have the people learned, you know, we just need to trust God, just stay faithful to him. Yeah, you have, you have a family that is among the leading influence of the people of Israel. And now they've got a problem. They exhibit ungodliness, a worldly mindset. Chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Then Miriam and Moses spoke against, I'm sorry, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, God chose Moses to be the ultimate visual leader before the people of Israel, to lead them all the way to Mount Sinai in the wilderness, to get the law, and then to lead them to the promised land. And God's plan was for Moses to lead them into the promised land and lead them to conquer the people there and drive them out or destroy them because they were all idol worshipers. But now here's Miriam and Aaron, a sister of Moses and a brother of Moses, and Aaron was the high priest. God had made him the high priest. Two of his sons, remember Nadab and Abihu, an early account we read through, earlier account we read through, they disobeyed God in gaining some kind of fire, some source of fire that God had not instructed them to use to burned the incense, and God struck them dead. We keep seeing the faith and the faithfulness of the people weaken and wane, and in some cases, rebel, at least in the case of the golden calf, rebel against God. Well, here's Miriam and Aaron. And so they didn't like it because Moses married this Ethiopian woman. And so they start complaining against Moses. Verse 2, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it? Now, they're starting to get the big head here, it would seem, to some extent. 
So God had spoken through Aaron, through Miriam. They said, hey, why is Moses better than we are? We're just as good as him. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. And we get that, at least glimpses of that, through the various accounts of when we see Moses in his personal character. Verse 4, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Now, God's going to confront Miriam and Aaron. And Aaron knew that God had chosen chosen Moses to be the leader and Aaron to be his spokesman because Moses had said to God, "I, I don't speak well. And so God said, there's your brother Aaron. He speaks well. I'll tell you, you can tell him and he can be the mouthpiece or the spokesman. So God says, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, join me at the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. So he says, this is my way of communicating the prophecy to prophets, generally speaking. If there's a prophet among you, now they, Miriam and, and Aaron had said, well, God is prophesying through us too, or has at least. And God says, this is how I communicate prophecies to prophets on a regular basis, a normal basis. But then verse 70 says, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. In other words, not in visions and not in dreams, but I speak to him face to face. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So God was dressing Miriam and Aaron down. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Now, probably the most dreaded disease among the people of that day and that part of the world was leprosy. To this day, there is no cure. And so when God, the cloud, the, the, the symbol of God's presence, departs from the tabernacle, the door of the tabernacle, Miriam's leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly in, and in which we have sinned. So Aaron recognizes at this point, he becomes humble. He becomes repentant. He talks to Moses. Now, he understands that Moses is God's spokesman. And so he says, please don't lay this sin to us. We've spoken against you. Please, we've sinned against you. But all sin is also and primarily against God. Please do not let her be as one dead. Because again, no cure for leprosy. 
if you contract leprosy, you're going to die with leprosy. And it was much more common and prevalent in those days in that part of the world than it is today. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. And Aaron is begging Moses, please, please ask God to heal her. Aaron, he finds his place again in the whole scheme of things. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed or would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards she may be received again. And God says, uh, what she's done is worthy of her being punished for a period of time. So put her out of the camp because leprosy was and is contagious. Put her out of the camp for seven days and afterwards she can come back in. She'll be made whole again. Verse 15, so Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people moved from Azeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Another vivid visual lesson. You need to stay faithful to God. You need to trust God. God is all-knowing, and we are not. And God is absolutely, totally righteous, and we keep making mistakes and sinning. Pride got in the way of Miriam and Aaron. And God gave them a vivid visual lesson to learn from. Miriam was healed. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us to understand that we need to simply trust you. You know better than we do. And we need to follow your teachings always, submitting to your will always in our lives. Help people to understand that that is the best life that they can live with the greatest hope and deliverance. People need to learn this lesson, Father. We praise you and give you glory and honor and thanks. And walking with our hand in your hand and your hand around ours is the greatest life of security that we can hope for. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. And please, Father, forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.